This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Wednesday, December 23rd, 2020. Hi there, Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this almost an hour of observation, insight, and a bit of absurdity along the way. Just two days before Christmas, hoping you're having a great day. The last 24 hours has treated you well and that you and yours are doing just fine and dandy. Yes, both at the same time. Oh, man. Just one more podcast before Christmas, the Christmas Eve edition. That comes your way tomorrow. And uh, then uh, no more podcasts until the first of the year. Actually, until the 4th of January, the Monday following the holiday week. We will uh, we'll be just having some family time, enjoying ourselves. Actually, it's been an odd schedule. Mike, I made this decision and then found out that my wife had made the decision to to take this current week off from her job. And so she's off this week doing all manner of things, running around and staying busy. And I'm off next week. So <laughs> it's just like these <laughs> two ships passing in port. We said, Oh, so you were here and now you're leaving and well, see ya. So, <laughs> so that's where we are. Oh, well, <laughs> that's uh, to, to next week. Uh, I'll be actually, I will be, physically in the studio but not actually doing any podcast work except some outside production work um i have one i've got to get uh, in the can and probably will eh, may need to go record another one with the uh, dawson now next week uh, that remains to be seen uh by the way if you follow dawson now the conference that had been scheduled for the weekend between christmas and new year's for this coming week this uh, has been canceled. Um, and if you were, if you were booked, if you've paid, if you've, uh, if you are going to be involved in some way, you need to get in touch with their offices this week, you have their number, talk to Casey there and, uh, find out the details. And, and it, what happened just in a nutshell is that, uh, the governor of Tennessee changed, um, gathering restrictions. So now no more than 10 people can gather at a time. And they did so at such late notice that it just torpedoed the conference. There's no way they could carry on now because they changed things in midstream, which is just, it's just actually loony when you think about it. Um, the, um, uh, let's see, let me, I'm, I'm looking something up here. I'm going to, uh, restrictions. I want to see if I can get the entire story. Uh, no, no, no. Okay, new in, new virus restrictions uh, in Tennessee, and that is uh, Governor Bill Lee announced new social gathering restrictions, still refusing to implement mask mandate uh, despite pleas from frontline healthcare workers in a state experiencing the highest new cases per capita in the country. Instead of a mask mandate, he Sunday signed an executive order limiting public gatherings to ten people. Now, this was just this past Sunday. Places of worship, weddings, funerals, exempt for the order. But the thing is that the conference is not a place of worship, a, a wedding, or a funeral, so eh, it's kind of stuck. And um, that's uh, that's kind of sad. Now, notice that the news media, and this is coming from a uh, an NBC affiliate, uh, WPSD Channel 6, and uh, 
they talk of it's they talk about um and he was saying this he he won't implement a mask mandate and they're talking about the highest new cases per capita in the country and they don't give you a lot of the other information that's pertinent and that's the important thing you you've really really got to do some digging and some searching and you've got to find out what the relevance is and you've also got to determine whether or not you trust the information you're being fed because as we've seen over recent days COVID-19 is a bit of a red herring it's it's something that we're not being told everything about they're not being completely transparent with us about the whole situation and that calls a lot of it into question because you're hearing different things from different people you you have those who will uh, who will say well i'm going to trust what the cdc says okay good for you you go ahead and trust the cdc but please allow me to question them because um there are contradictions happening here there there are contradictions coming coming not only from the cdc but also from the who and other places and there are more and more healthcare professionals out there who are raising a hand and saying, uh, excuse me, but, and as a result, they're sharing information which contradicts what we're being told. Plus, we're also hearing case after case after case. We're seeing this reports from uh, medical examiners, coroners, um, um, hospital professionals around the country that they're being told that they have to declare all manner of death as COVID. Gunshot wounds, car accidents, motorcycle accidents, you name it. If your if your parachute parachute doesn't deploy, and you pancake into the earth, um, from uh, from thousands of feet in the air, and you're in the right county, you're dying of COVID. So this has all prompted us to question things, and so well, I question what's happening in Tennessee. To be honest with you, and I think the response from the governor is a response just trying to placate certain people. And I don't think it's uh, an actual real response to anything. I just think I just think we're being we're being fed a lot of fertilizer. Let's just say that, shall we? Because government likes to treat you like a mushroom. They keep you in the dark and they feed you a lot of mm, filth, and you don't know what's really going on because you're not getting all of the information. And when you're not getting all of the information, you can't make good decisions. You can't really decide for yourself what to do with your life. And that's all part of being a free person is making your own decisions in your life. And if you can't do that because you're not giving good information, then they've pretty much got you where they want you. They're in control. I know that sounds paranoid, but the old saying is, it's not really paranoia if they're really out to get you. And we've watched this example in government around the world again and again and again. We've seen this play out. They're lying to the people. They've dumbed education down. They've done everything they can to make everybody as gullible as possible. People have stopped searching for answers and just trust what they're told. And when they get to that point, they can tell them anything they want. And they can be in control. And that's our situation today in America. It's a sad situation for us to be in. Now, part of this entire situation with COVID is that people are out of work, businesses are having trouble, and there needs to be some kind of relief. 
And the relief would best be for government to take its hands off of everything and just let us run our lives. But they won't do that. Instead, what they'll do is they'll say, here, have a sucker. That's a good boy. And for adults, that's some sort of a, a check coming from the government. It's your money. They took it from you, and now they're giving it back to you. And we talked about this yesterday, that a $600 check was not a heck of a lot of money for most people. It's a pittance, especially when you consider that 80% of the bill that would have provided that $600 check was going to other countries and to bizarre leftist causes. It was weird stuff. Covered it yesterday. Listen to yesterday's podcast or go get yesterday's show notes. Well, President Trump yesterday blasted that COVID-19 relief package. It was rushed through Congress the night before. He called it a disgrace, saying he wants to see more money going to individuals and small businesses impacted by the virus and less in wasteful spending. He also suggested he may not sign it. So all of these assurances we have gotten that we would be getting a check starting this coming Monday are all out the window now. The $900 billion coronavirus relief package was rolled out in part as a catch-all. A, a catch-all spending package. It totaled $2.3 trillion that covered lawmakers' unfinished business, but exposed priorities of Congress that caught the eye of the American public. In an address to the nation, the president decried the Democrats' refusal to agree to larger deals on COVID-19 relief that would have delivered more direct assistance to Americans than what was passed following the general election. He said about the package, overwhelmingly passed in the Democrat-led House and Republican-controlled Senate, it really is a disgrace. For example, among the more than 5,000 pages in this bill, which nobody in Congress has read because of its length and complexity, it's called the COVID relief bill, but it has almost nothing to do with COVID. Uh, yes, it was a 5,000-page bill. They got it yesterday. We're expected to vote on it last night. It's three times the length of, the, of, the, of war and peace, and they were supposed to read and comprehend it in less than a day, in a matter of hours, and then sign it. So from that, you can know that not one person who signed that bill actually read it. None of them did. None of them. They had no idea what was in that bill unless something they worked on was in it. They had no idea, and yet they signed it anyway. Why? Why would they sign something that they have no idea the contents of? Because they wanted to look like heroes. And we're back to that again. That hero thing that government loves to, loves to portray themselves as so much. They love putting on the cape and standing in front of the camera as the breeze blows their cape in the, uh, out behind them and they look like a superhero. They love to look like the guy who's coming to the rescue even though they have no clue what they've just signed into action. And they have no idea what damage it's going to do. And they have no idea how much of the money they've just approved to be spent will go to bizarre, twisted, weird causes that will go to bail out bad, bad government in states and cities around our country and abroad. They have no idea what's in the bill. They just know you're going to get some pocket change out of it. I'll be honest with you. 
I saw 600 bucks. Okay. Well, I know exactly what I can pay off with that. I, ex I know exactly which, which part of the Ho-Ho Express gets paid for with that $600. But you probably did the same thing. Or you thought, whoo, I can buy that new car stereo or something like that. <laughs> well, now not so much. 2000 Now that could help. Oh, the president went on to name a long list of what was included in the omnibus, omnibus bill that added another trillion dollars to the national debt, such as $25 million for democracy and gender programs in Afghanistan, $40 million to the Kennedy Senator in Washington, D.C. They're not even open for business, by the way. He went on to say, despite all of this wasteful spending and much more, the $900 billion package provides hardworking taxpayers with only $600 each in relief payments and not enough money is given to small business and, in particular, restaurants whose owners have suffered so grievously. They were only given a deduction for others to use. Congress found plenty of money for foreign countries, lobbyists, and special interests, while serving or sending the bare minimum to the American people who need it. It wasn't their fault. It was China's fault, not their fault. I would uh, insert here, it's actually government's fault as well. China let the virus go, or possibly released it intentionally. Yeah, I went there. But our government fell for it, and fell hard for it. And some of them knew what was going on. I'm asking Congress, he goes on to say, to amend this bill and increase the ridiculously low $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 per a couple. I'm also asking Congress to immediately get rid of the wasteful and unnecessary items from this legislation and send me a suitable bill, or else the next administration will have to deliver a COVID relief package, and maybe that administration will be me, and we will get it done. So good for him. The president's doing the right thing. Others will say, what? He's taking money away from us? No. He's fighting to get you more. And truth be told, the best way to fix this problem for us financially is to stop taxing us. But they'll never do that. You know why? Because once you get used to having all of your money, you won't easily be persuaded to give them any more because you realize how much better your life is when you're in control. It's the Daily Perspective. Welcome back. Did you know that 78 days ago, President Trump offered to sign a standalone bill for stimulus checks to help you as an individual and businesses in America. A standalone bill. 78 days ago, he offered to sign a bill that was clean, that just helped you and the and small business in America today. Nancy Pelosi said no. 78 days have gone by. And they offer up a a $900 billion bill, 80% of which goes everywhere but to you. Just remember that. And in response to what President Trump said about this travesty of a bill, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer signaled that they are open to increasing the amount 
for the stimulus checks. After President Trump threatened to veto the COVID relief bill unless the direct payment was increased to 2000 per individual. Pelosi wrote on Twitter yesterday, Republicans repeatedly refused to say what amount the president wanted for direct checks. At last, the president has agreed to $2,000. Democrats are ready to bring this to the floor this week by unanimous consent. Let's do it. We spent months trying to secure $2,000 checks, but Republicans blocked it. Trump needs to sign the bill to help people and keep, uh, this is what Schumer said this, and keep the government open, and we're glad to pass more aid Americans need. Maybe Trump can finally make himself useful and get Republicans not to block it again. He, he tweeted that shortly after Pelosi issued her tweet. Let me just say, these two people are lying to you. They are bald-faced, habitual, corrupt liars. This is what they do for a living. They lie. They lie to the American people. And they manipulate and persuade people to believe the tr what they tell them is the truth, which is nothing but lies. Lies. I just told you, 78 days ago, the president offered to sign a standalone bill for stimulus checks, and Pelosi said no. It's been Nancy Pelosi. It's been Chuck Schumer. It's been the Democrats who have stood against helping you and small business in America. It's them, not the president. It's been them. Yes, Republicans have objected to pork. Republicans have objected to waste. Republicans have, have objected to funneling money to causes instead of solutions. Republicans have tried to stand strong. In spite of the fact that this time they signed off on a bill they didn't read. And you, honestly, should have a little chat with your representative and your senators. If they did. I don't care what state you live in. You should be sending off an email, leaving a phone message. How dare you sign off on this bill? How dare you sign off on this bill that sends my tax dollars to nations which hate us to fund programs based on fantasy? How dare you? How dare you hold America hostage? How dare you? Foreign countries, lobbyists, special interests, getting tons and tons, 80% of the money in that bill and sending us the bare minimum. The bare minimum. Hundreds of millions of dollars going to the Egyptian military, Cambodia, Burma, gender programs in Pakistan. Pork barrel spending and a $600 check coming to you. Of course the president said no. He has to. It's the right thing. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are lying. It's a bald-faced lie, and we shouldn't be surprised. It's who they are, and it's what they do. They're liars, and it's all they know how to do is lie. So they are not in your corner. That's just what I'm trying to say. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are not in your corner. Be aware of that. Now, I was talking earlier about 
how we're being lied to about COVID deaths, about the nature of the beast itself, and how we've been misled. Coming from westernjournal.com, Michael Austin writes a story about a about a Minnesota senator and a, and a physician who got together and blew the whistle on non-COVID types of deaths which are being blamed on COVID. In a video released last Friday, two Minnesota lawmakers called for a full audit of the death certif- uh, certificates marked as COVID-19 deaths. In this video, State Representative Mary Franson and Senator Scott Jensen revealed their own findings after looking over thousands of death certificate data points and found that the number of COVID deaths was being inflated by roughly 40%. 40%. According to Representative Franson, the investigation uncovered various un-COVID-related deaths being counted as COVID deaths, including a freshwater drowning and a vehicle fatality, among others. Back in April, Jensen had criticized the Minnesota Department of Health for following federal guidelines outlining when doctors should characterize a death as due to COVID-19. In the video released Friday, Jensen reiterated those claims and elaborated on them. Quote, I sort of got myself in hot water way back in April when I made the comment that I was, as a physician, being encouraged to do death certificates differently with COVID-19 than with other disease entities. For 17 years, the CDC document that guides us as physicians to do death certificates has stood, but this year we were told through the Department of Health and the CDC that the rules were changing if COVID-19 was involved. If it's COVID-19, we're told now it doesn't matter if it was actually the diagnosis that caused the death. If someone had it, they died of it. Franson claims she received raw files from the Minnesota Department of Health on the death death certificates. After enlisting a team to go over the data, what Franson attests they found is incredibly troubling. In what is perhaps the most egregious case, a person who was ejected from a vehicle during an accident was counted as a COVID death because he had the virus in his system at the time. She says, I have other examples where COVID isn't the underlying cause of death. We have a fall. Another example is we have a fresh water drowning. We have dementia. We have a stroke, multi-organ failure. Of the 2,800 death certificate data points Franson's team looked at, as many as 800 did not have COVID-19 as the underlying cause of death. She says that would mean we've had the number inflated by 40%. For those wondering why a state would want to cover or want to overcount their COVID-19 deaths, Jensen suggested that the states may have been incentivized to inflate their COVID-19 death numbers. According to Jensen, the policies that the governors around this country have put in place use COVID-19 death certificate data to drive the program. COVID-19 is dangerous. Both Franson and Jensen admit as much at the beginning of this video. That being said, it's not as dangerous as we have been led to believe. What might be more dangerous? Are the lies being told about the disease? Lies destroying the lives of everyday Americans. We are being lied to. We're being lied to by government. We're being lied to by government agencies. We're being lied to by the press. We're being lied. And we need to wake up to the fact that they're lying to us.
Yes, COVID is dangerous. If you get it and you are beyond a certain age with certain pre-existing conditions, comorbidities, things which are troubling to you, if you're overweight, if you have high blood pressure, if you have certain medical conditions, COVID is very dangerous for you. And you should take caution. You should take the responsibility to yourself to protect yourself. It's just wise. It's just smart. But the progressives who are in our government now and in our government agencies all believe that they must take responsibility for taking care of you because you're too dumb to know it's important to do that. And so they're feeding you a lot of misinformation, a lot of lies for the purpose of taking care of you so that you will know that something is wrong and you could die unless they protect you from it. Take responsibility for your own life and stop letting these people shepherd you. Remember, you don't want a government which will harm you just for your own good. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast for Wednesday, December 23rd, 2020. It's also Festivus, so happy Festivus. I hope the airing of the grievances goes well. The feats of strength, I hope you come out on top. To be honest, I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> I sent my buddy Dave Mack a video yesterday, which was kind of the edit down of the uh, Seinfeld episode about Festivus. I sat and watched through it. He kind of covered the high spots in about four and a half, five minutes, and it was just laugh after laugh after laugh. Today is Festivus, so happy Festivus to you and yours. <laughs> I'm glad you're there. Thank you so much. I appreciate the fact that you are there <laughs> and that maybe you are celebrating Festivus. God bless you. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, let's see. What else is... Oh, yeah, let's go back. Nancy Pelosi, the habitual compulsive liar who honestly should be ridden out of town on a rail. $600, by the way, will buy a 55-gallon drum of tar and 10 pounds of feathers. You could use that on Nancy Pelosi. She said many outlandish, provocative, and outright false things on the House floor Monday. That's just what she does. But one comment in particular really takes the cake. Pelosi said, people say around here sometimes, I'm faith-oriented, so I don't believe in science. And I say, well, you can do both. Science is an answer to your prayers. And our prayers have been answered with a vaccine. She spun this tale while telling other whoppers about why Democrats had no choice but to hold up a second coronavirus aid package that was expected to pass later 
that day. Pelosi said they wouldn't accept a follow-up to the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act passed in March because they had to start by first crushing the virus. She went on to blame President Trump and Republicans for the Democrats' own lollygagging and obstructing, as I said previously. Nancy Pelosi and her Democratic cohorts used every excuse imaginable to hold up relief. No doubt waiting until after the 2020 presidential election. While America's needed, Americans needed help restoring some of what the government robbed from them with draconian COVID-19 shutdowns and restrictions that have dragged on since March. You see, it's, it's government, state, and state government and federal government, which has done the damage to America. They could have told us the truth about COVID-19 earlier. They could have told us to be responsible earlier. But no, they decided to close the gates, to circle the wagons, and to pretend to be fighting for us. Pelosi said, we couldn't pass legislation until now because the administration simply did not believe in testing, tracing, treatment, wearing masks, sanitation, separation, and the rest, scientific approach. She called the very real concept of herd immunity quackery before launching into the lie about religious people, people of faith. Can I tell you what? President Donald Trump has been squarely 100% behind and pushing testing, tracing, treatment. It's been the Democrats who have said, we can't do anything this man says because we hate him so much. Orange man is so bad, we're going to let you die rather than do anything he says. He's been behind all of these things. He's actually promoted all of these things. He's promoted the science. He's... He actually established Operation Warp Speed to get science to produce the vaccines which are being distributed even as we speak. Pelosi is a bald-faced liar. She spoke as if it was presumptive President-elect Joe Biden and his belief in science, as if it is a dogmatic idea rather than an academic discipline, that spurred drug makers into developing a vaccine in record time. Ignoring the fact that President Donald Trump was the one who got it done. He initiated it. He pushed it. He made the deals necessary. And he got it done. Nobody else. It wasn't sleazy Uncle Joe. It was President Donald Trump. Pelosi accused Republicans of not doing enough for essential workers, the poor, and, of course, people of color. But none of that was as painfully false as her implication that the faithful in Washington, D.C. freely admitted to her that they reject science. <laughs> I remind you, 78 days ago, President Donald Trump said he would sign a clean relief bill that issued checks for to you and I 78 days ago. Who was it that shot it down? Nancy Pelosi. Because she wouldn't give him anything. She was all about doing political harm to Donald Trump at your expense. Remember that. 
Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and the Democrat Party, and never-Trumpers on both sides of the aisle, are all responsible for your financial suffering. They have fought against relieving your financial woes because that would do damage to Donald Trump. They are the ones responsible for you not being able to pay your bills. They are the ones responsible for those overdue notices in your mailbox. They are responsible. And they're blaming Trump for it. They're lying to you. This narrative she tried to create, that science and religion are diametrically opposed, seldom comes from religious people is instead a charge usually leveled against the faithful from smug, sneering atheists who know little about science and even less about your religion. Furthermore, the myth that the left is all about science is shattered by the reality that it's Democrats like Pelosi and Biden who are all in on things like radical gender theory, espousing the most unscientific, actual, really faith-based, You have to believe these things in faith because they aren't based in science. Emotional claptrap. That's what these policies are. are, are. Unscientific, faith-based, emotional claptrap policies. And they are the most of such of our time. These people believe that somebody can magically change their gender by mutilation or simply by fiat based on how they feel. And they support unscientifically vetted practices like giving puberty blockers to children. They, because they insist they are something other than the reality their biology clearly demonstrates. These are the people who are anti-science. Nancy Pelosi used her fairy tale example of schooling the ignorant that science and religion are not mutually exclusive to make a false point. And it's particularly disgusting when done using the backdrop of her phony Catholicism. She likes to trot out her religion only when it can use, she can use it to make a point. Much in the same way apostate baby boomer Catholics who haven't darkened the door of a church in decades try to speak on matters of faith with authority because they were altar boys once way back then. It's silly, nonsensical, completely offensive to practicing Catholics and other people of faith, I might add. Matt Walsh over at the Daily Wire, himself a devout Catholic, called Pelosi out on her phony story. He tweeted Monday, fact check, nobody has ever said that. He's absolutely right. Nobody, nobody has ever said that. She's lying. She's making it up. It's a lie. Nobody would ever say that except someone like Pelosi, who doesn't seem to understand what actual people of faith believe because she's never bothered to try to dispel the myths and straw men she's created in her mind. Pelosi and her party held up another relief bill for months, balked at the idea that a vaccine would be created and administered so quickly, and did everything they could to derail Trump's presidency and his ability to lead while now trying to take credit for the vaccine and the promise it brings. Conservatives, including religious people, are happy for the vaccine and hopeful for what it can bring, even if they were rightly skeptical of the mixed messages 
coming from government and political opportunism, the left employed during the COVID-19 panic. It's not that religious people don't believe in science. It's just that they don't trust a word Pelosi has to say. And her whole diatribe is exactly the reason why. We don't trust. People of faith do not trust people like Nancy Pelosi because she is a liar. However, we do trust God because he is not a man or a woman. He has no need to lie. He speaks the truth and stands by it. There have been times in my, uh, in my life when I have said the following to people, some people of faith, and they've looked at me like, are you insane? Here's what I've said. True science and true religion never disagree. Here's why that statement is true. Science, real science, is about asking questions and finding answers. That's what science is about. It's a discovery process. It is a path of discovery, seeking truth. Religion, real true religion, is a path of discovery, seeking truth. And when they're both on the right path, they always agree because science can never make a declaration of final fact that disagrees with what is actually final fact in the realm of faith as well. When they come to loggerheads against each other is when either science or religion is touting something which cannot be factually proven. See, truth will always support truth. Speculation and truth have issues. And when someone like Nancy Pelosi steps up and says, oh, I'm a person of faith, so I don't believe in science, she's lying to you. Because people of faith understand that truth is truth. And it never disagrees with itself. Happy Festivus, by the way, in case you forgot. <laughs> oh, it's the Daily Perspective Podcast. Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host, about to wrap a year up. This is podcast number, hang on a second. Give me a mo here while I uh, double check that, okay? Because I want to get this number right. As there's been so many. Um, Daily Perspective Podcast number 341. 341 podcasts. And tomorrow, 342. As we wrap up the year. 342 podcasts. And that's actually since the beginning. There have been a couple of times when I've been out of pocket for a little while. Simply because... Um, simply because the... Uh, um, of the situation with my knee surgeries. So there was a couple of times where I was really out for a couple of months at a time just because, well, 
Okay, you go get total knee replacement surgery and see what you feel like doing. Okay, <laughs> just my schedule was weird. It wasn't that I okay. It wasn't that I didn't feel like doing things. It, what it was was that I uh, uh, my schedule was weird. I had uh, I had rehab. I had things going on and and I had exercises that I had to do every day at set times. And I, it just, it just blew my schedule out of the water on top of that. Right after each surgery, there's no way I could get to the studio because there were a lot of stairs involved. So I was out of pocket for those times, but 341 since I started doing the podcast and, um, some, uh, some guys do seasons where it's the season one episode, whatever. And, um, I, I actually have seen that recently and thought, you know, that's not a bad idea to start numbering them that way. So I may start doing that for the new year. We'll see. We'll start with January 4th as season three, because this will be the third year um, of doing the podcast. All right. It is, uh, I got about 10 minutes, about nine and a half minutes left here before I got to wrap this one up. So let's change gears and talk about the election in the final segment here. Um, President Donald Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, according to the epochtimes.com, said that the Trump campaign's challenge in the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn three Pennsylvania Supreme Court decisions is the first of many efforts they will undertake until the 20th of January. He says, you have to go state by state. He said this to Newsmax. He notes that a victory in Pennsylvania would only impact 20 electoral votes. The campaign filed an appeal in the Supreme Court to reverse cases by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court that changed mail-in ballot laws. The campaign via the petition, has sought the reversal of three cases decided by the state's Supreme Court that illegally changed the mail-in ballot laws immediately before and after the 2020 presidential election, arguing that the Supreme Court's decisions, the, the state Supreme Court's decisions, are in violation of Article II of the Constitution and the 2000 Bush versus Gore ruling. Giuliani adds, I remember an old adage that I learned from baseball. When you're down by 10 runs, you can't score 10 runs on one hit. So you got to get one run at a time. So the way I look at it is we have to win one of these legislatures. I think we have three good ones to pick from Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. During state legislative hearings over the past several weeks in several states, Juliana Giuliani and fellow Trump lawyer, Jenna Ellis. Now here's the thing. She is not. Oh, actually this is Jenna Ellis. Sorry. That's true. I was thinking about, I was thinking about, Sydney, uh, yeah, this Trump lawyer, Jenna, Jenna Ellis brought in people who alleged, alleged voter fraud or irregularities during the general election. Because of those hearings, Giuliani said the team believes they have enough evidence of fraud to force state legislatures to act, to reaffirm their own slates of electors. Giuliani says the state legislature has a very, very strong basis to make a determination. The election in those three states were stolen. He then argued that State houses and senates are the final arbiters over certifying a state's election. Also in the interview, the former mayor stressed that lawyer Sidney Powell, that's who I was thinking of, Sidney Powell, who has filed third-party lawsuits in favor of Trump, is not part of their team and efforts. He says, let me say definitively, Cindy, Sidney Powell is not part of our legal team. She hasn't been for five weeks. She's not a special counsel for the president. She does not speak for the president, nor does she speak for the administration. She speaks for herself. And she's a fine woman, a fine lawyer. But whatever she's talking about, it's her own opinion. I'm not responsible for them. The president isn't, nor is anybody else on our legal team. Now, he is saying this because he wants to make it clear to 
those people, the dishonest members of the news media, who are equating Sidney Powell's work with the president's legal team's work, they're different. They're focused in different areas. They're looking at different, different things. They're, they're, they're pursuing different goals for the same end. So she is not part of the actual presidential legal team, but she is pursuing a legal path to prove fraud in this election. And her work is valuable. I really wish he had said those words. Sidney Powell's work is valuable, but she is not an official member of the president's legal team. Actually, Sidney Powell has stated again and again and again that she is working for we, the people. That's what she has said. That gets lost in the media smokescreen. She has said, as I say, again and again, that she is fighting for we, the people. She is not a member of Trump's legal team. It doesn't mean she's not doing a good thing. It doesn't mean she's doing the wrong thing. It doesn't mean that something horrible has happened and she's been banned. Although there are stories now that she's been banned from the White House by certain members of the staff. I don't know what, what credence to give that. I don't Actually, I don't give it any at this point. It's just one of those rumor things. There's all this salacious stuff, this saucy stuff that, ooh, ooh, so-and-so got banned from the White House. <gasps> that means there, there's something wrong with those people. No, no, not necessarily. Because you can't trust that kind of story. Because it's a sensational story that gets people talking, and that's what the news media loves, even the conservative news media. Now, Giuliani then stipulated that the Trump team will not flout the Constitution or law. It came as Ellis told Just the News that she doesn't favor invoking the 1807 Insurrection Act to deal with the election fraud, as some have suggested. That's another thing that's been a hot topic lately. Oh, yeah, he's going to invoke the Insurrection Act. Well, Ellis says, we have a constitutional process for a reason, and we have the judicial branch that really does not need to step in. I think that the Supreme Court especially or the, the Supreme Court absolutely let the American people down by refusing to take up the Texas case. In another comment, Ellis wrote that the Insurrection Act does not apply in this circumstance. She says, we do not undermine the rule of law. Now, it may be, it may be exciting, it may be sensationalistic to talk about the Insurrection Act, but at this point, can you imagine what would happen if the president did invoke the Insurrection Act? Can you imagine, just think about what the Democrats would do. What Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and all these violent protest groups would do. They would be burning cities down. Not just a few blocks, a couple of city blocks. They would be going nuts. And it, that's not a reason not to do things legally that are right. But it would happen. And a certain line must be crossed. And it must be with beyond a reasonable doubt, I should say, that the line has been crossed and provable beyond a shadow of a doubt that the line has been crossed. 
a certain line has to be crossed before you can actually take that kind of action. I don't think that line has been crossed yet. What is that line? I'm not sure. I'm not a professional. I just play one on TV. I just don't think we've come to that point yet. If we come to that point, I think it'll be fairly obvious. I think it'll be very obvious. But what should be obvious to you now is that there has been massive fraud committed in this country. There has been an egregious action, many egregious actions taken by leftists and Democrats intent on depriving you of your vote because they firmly believe you were wrong and they honestly don't care what you think. They don't care about your opinion. They don't care about what you think should be done in this country because as far as they're concerned, you are too dumb to understand what needs to happen in America. You should leave this to the, to the professionals. This is their view. They honestly, passionately, deeply believe that they are that intellectually elite class which should be given the task of running this nation. And that they are wiser than you, they are smarter than you, and they actually care more about things than you can possibly comprehend. So you should just shut up and let them govern. And when you think about it, that smacks of rulership, not government. When you think back on how rulers in the past in other nations in, our, in, the, in the world's history have managed things, it becomes very clear that these people see themselves as a kind of monarchy. And they are benevolent rulers who just want to take care of you. And that, my friend, is not what this nation is. Hey, that's it for today. God bless you. One more podcast for Christmas Eve tomorrow. We'll see you then. God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.